I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Renee, Caitlin, I have so many things to say to you. I wish I had joined the Breakfast Club slash Late Night Tequila Club in Melbourne with you and Andrea Pekovic because these past two weeks have been incredible to listen to. Uh, I'm just jealous. I couldn't be there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing for Racket, for you, for your show, but also for the world, an incredible service because that was a triumph. Yeah, we, um, thanks, Caitlin. Um, Look, you know, first of all, we were really lucky. Uh, Andrea and I stayed together in a in a great apartment. My my best friend has a great apartment here in Melbourne, so we stayed here. So you know, it, we were getting back honestly almost at the same time every night. And if we weren't, we were watching tennis. Uh, uh, you know, and then you know somebody would come home at like one thirty in the morning, and and so it was just great. And you know, as you know, Caitlin Petko and I, we rehash tennis like nobody's business. Like we love getting into the weeds of talking about matches and about situations and about what happened. And can you believe this? And can you believe that? And we thought, fuck it, let's just do this every day and put it on the pod. Um, and there were some nights where we, you know, mostly Petko, she was like, Rudy, I got to go to bed. And so <laughs> we would do it early in the morning um, before we went. And And obviously with the different time changes that worked out okay. So we had a blast doing it. We loved doing it. We we were going to do 10 minutes a day and we ended up like going sometimes like for half an hour because it's just how Petco and I are. We just, we love to get into the weeds of tennis matches, tennis players and the tournament. And this tournament was freaking amazing. 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 It had every, so many record breaking things, you know, the, the, the most five set matches uh, in Grand Slam history or equal to, I think. Um, we had the longest tie break in the history of of tennis um, in the Rybaki in a Blinkover match. We had um, the most attended Grand Slam of all time. Over a million people That's came incredible. to this event. Incredible. It was just it was just amazing. The only thing that really stunk was the women's final. Other than that, it was great. Sure. And I, I will say, you forgot to mention the record that you held, the double-double, uh, oh, yeah. by uh, a wide margin. Sure was. Uh, you won the mixed and the women's doubles, uh, and that's a record that stood for decades. Shea Suwei, yeah. you had an incredibly cool uh, woman to hand the baton off to in the form of Shea Suwei. The men's doubles final, Maddie Ebden and Rohan Bopana, becomes the oldest men's number one. Like, 
The wheelchair tennis was great. It was just like everything was great. And I will even say that even though I agreed with your analysis, and if anybody does not know what we're talking about, go truly go back and listen to any one of the episodes that you guys did day in, day out, literally recapping these matches. And yes, I agree the quality was not that good, but the excitement of the matchup, of the new face of the storylines, like from point to point, yes, Zhang Chinwen was overwhelmed and had not played enough like big hitters to get, you know, prepared for what Arena Sabalenka had to offer. But like, it was just such a fun, all the stories were so fun. All the finalists were so fun. And yeah, the match could have been better on the women's side. The match on the men's side, though, wow. What? Ooh. A barn burner Holy shit. that was. Holy shit. Let's you talk know, about it. Because I was not awake for most of it. You were there. So we can kind of start yes. it with a recap there. But I, I just, before we started talking tennis, I just wanted to say, also, thank you, all the listeners. You guys powered our show to number two across the globe. The tennis podcast, we're coming for you. Because now that it turns out we're doing this pretty regularly, uh, you got a target on your back. And uh, we got so many reviews, so many responses, so many people writing in and saying, this is great, do more. The analysis, the humor, the real talk, like it was just, it was so amazing. So please, 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 let's figure out how to do more of these. And I will gladly edit them and sit in the back uh, and not, you know, lob in whatever it is that I'm useful for uh, unless needed. But that was great. So I wanted to start with that to say thank you to you, but also thanks to our listeners. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks to our listeners, because I got a lot of uh, lovely messages. Um, I think the classic one of the two weeks, and the reason why Petco is not on this pet co- uh, podcast right now is because she is still flying to Frankfurt. <laughs> it's a lo- it takes a long time to get from Australia to, 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 to Germany. Um, but, um, you know, one of the drivers was picking up uh, Petco and one day, and she said she came bustling down into the transportation oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm late uh she goes oh no no it's okay you're probably still doing the podcast no <laughs> so really we awesome. had a, a, a driver at Australian <laughs> open that was clearly uh had been listening to the daily podcast so we really appreciate all the listeners and yes i think the perspective um of both uh you know obviously Petco and i to be able to talk about matches and tournaments and grand slam play considering we both played in them and we both know these players and the nuances that go into winning grand slams i mean I don't know what it takes to win a singles Grand Slam. Uh, Petco knows what it's like to get to a semifinal of a singles Grand Slam. So we're, we're very, um, I think, a little bit, I mean, I can say, like, I think our, our, our podcast with the two of us doing it certainly gives a different perspective than uh, any other podcast in the world. So anyway, look, the bottom line is that match yesterday was absolutely incredible. I had such a soft spot for both of these guys. Yeah, same. Uh, and I many, honestly... many people did too. I mean, what a great duo especially after people came to Daniil Medvedev's sort of defense after seeing how you guys talked about he was so misrepresented in the Netflix documentary he's just sort of a lovable like kind of edge lord and he had really really incredible matches uh especially against Varev in the semifinal to even make the final so yeah I I think a lot of us were rooting for kind of both of them Let's talk about the fact that he finished a match at 3.40 in the morning, okay? I mean, that in and of itself to get through and to back it up and to come back and win the amount. No one has ever played a Grand Slam, gotten to a final, has ever played more tennis in the history of Grand Slam play. Another record that was set here at the Australian Open. Bananas. Um, And so it was, yeah, in the men's. And I was just like, I could not believe how incredibly – um resilient he was in every sense of the word i have to say caitlin um i interviewed both yannick and uh daniel after their semi-final victories and 
I just like these guys so much. They're so refreshingly great for the game. Obviously, Medvedev, Medvedev, what he went through to get to the final was just just outrageous um, to come back the way he did against um, Zverev and force his way into that five-set match and get the victory was unbelievable. And we all know what we feel about Zverev at this point in time. So it was nice to see Medvedev get another chance to win another Australian Open. And then obviously what Sinner was able to do would beat a guy that we never thought would be beaten on Rod Laver Arena in the semifinals. And the way he did it was just amazing. Um, and then the, for the, both of them to go in the final, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I have never not said how much I love Yannick Sinner, but I think people also know how much I like Medvedev. And I, I really, you know, part of me really wanted Yannick to win because also my connection with Darren Cahill, but I just love Yannick so much. But I just, and I said last year that there's no doubt in my mind he could win a Grand Slam this year. And I thought the Australian Open was going to be a really good test. And I thought that would be his best chance um, just because he's been playing so well um, and what he was able to achieve. But you think about Medvedev coming back from two sets to love against Zverev, and then he gets up two sets to love in the final and he played two of the best sets I've ever seen any male play in my life. He was serving out of his mind. He wasn't missing a shot from the baseline. There's no question that Yannick Sinner was struggling at the beginning. I think he was a little bit nervous. He wasn't hitting out on the ball. He wasn't really going for it. But a lot of that was also because of the way that Medvedev played the match. It was unbelievable how well he came out. I think he was so tired from the two weeks that he was seeing the ball like a basketball. But then the tide started turning and you could see that Sinner was starting to hang in there and his frustration level at times was obvious to see because he couldn't get into the return games. But then when he did, you could see he just started just, you know, knuckle down. Like, I am not going anywhere. I'm going to force this match into a fourth set. I'm going to force this to be a physical match again. And he started playing really, really aggressive. And you could tell that Medvedev started to kind of get a little bit tired. The amount of hours on the court certainly affected him. There's no doubt about that. And then Yannick just ran away with it sort of in the end. I mean, it wasn't easy, but you could tell he just had the edge over uh, Medvedev in the long rallies. And match point was indicative of the entire two weeks that Yannick Sinner was the best player in the tournament because that forehand that he hit on match point. Oh, yeah. The forehand, he, the forehand winner he hit against Djokovic to win the match. And then the forehand down the line just absolutely striped it down the line to win against Medvedev was unfriggin' believable and just the respect that those two guys had for each other at the net um the speeches that they both gave were incredible i love yannick sinner thanking his parents for not pushing him into a sport that maybe you know we all know how great a skier he is and just i'm sure that the parents knowing from where they are from probably wanted him to maybe ski didn't really understand the sport of tennis that well um is just indicative of how important it is to let your kids do the passion and do the sport that they really love. Now I want to jump in here and do something new because normally I'd be like, what about their outfits? Or like, what about that cute, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause it's, you know, I'm the less of a tennis expert. What I've learned so much the last two weeks, listening to you and Andrea talk about return positioning and slight technique variations. I mean, you talk about this on our podcast when it's just you and me all the time. And uh, most of the time I follow you because you're really, you know, good at explaining it. But I want you to explain it to me like I was Petco or if I had a prompt for you that she would have or do she'd be like, oh, did you notice how close to the baseline he was standing? Like, can you can you break down? It's actually pretty good. I mean, my father's got a he's got some German connection. Anyway, my point is without doing a full more of a Petco impersonation, 
chopped down like a linden tree. What the fuck is a linden tree? That, I made that the episode <laughs> cool. title because a linden tree. Anyway, well, apparently it's a tree. It's apparently a thing because uh, one of our trusty listeners um, wrote in and told us all about the linden tree. So That's I'm insane. all for it. That's great. I yes. love it. Um, yeah. I mean, she's making Henry V. It was it was a triumph, really. Um, but like, what? Yes you know gas was a factor Yannick ran away with it fresher legs blah blah but from a tactics perspective um because these guys are so good on the run because they're both so flexible because they both have great backhand and backhands was there a technical difference between the first two especially and second two sets where like Daniil gets the first two Yannick gets yes. the second two what happened besides well, uh, well, Medi came out standing a lot closer to the baseline. And I think that really threw Yannick's game plan off because I think he, you know, he's so used to yeah, uh, Medvedev standing a long way behind the baseline. He's played him a couple of times in, you know, months previous where he's beaten him three times. Um, and he hadn't done that before. So technically they had obviously changed something up. But Medvedev changed something up. He started standing inside the little bit more closer to the baseline on return. I think that sort of took Yannick out of his serving um, rhythm. He was not serving well in the first set or two. Um, and Medvedev, as I said, was like lockdown mode, was barely missing anything. And so I think that Yannick decided to stand back further on his return in the third and fourth and fifth sets. So he was starting to get into the service games of Medvedev. And then I think once his, uh, once he got, got into the return games and obviously got that one breaker serve, you could just tell everything changed. And I do believe that in, in more so in general, Medvedev's pace on the ball was not as strong, was not hitting the ball as hard. Mm -hmm. He certainly was not serving as big in the third and fourth and fifth sets. His miles per hour dropped off significantly. And the flip side is that Yannick's, um, Yannick's serving was bigger. It was more accurate. He was hitting the ball stronger. So you could just say see the sort of the wear and tear that Medvedev had had and also the improvement in the match as it went on for Sinner to be more comfortable. I think the first couple of sets, he was just overwhelmed a little bit by how big this moment was. And so not really hitting the ball as aggressive, wasn't staying through the shot with his legs. There's clearly um, Medvedev was kind of like, fuck it, I'm going to go for it. It worked against Zverev, down two sets of love. I'm going to start out that way. And that's what he did. But I think the wear and tear got to him. Mm -hmm. And I think Sinner started to calm the farm a little bit in the third, fourth and fifth and started playing within himself. Because even, you know, on Australian Network, the one of the things that I thought was fantastic from Todd Woodbridge that he said is that he said he was, Yannick Sinner deserved to win this tournament. He was the best player by a mile in this tournament from start to finish. He didn't drop a set until yeah. he dropped a set to the 10-time defending champion in um, Novak Djokovic, which, guess what, still pretty amazing. Still amazing. Um, and then coming back from two sets of love and coming back from that adversity when he hadn't really faced anything like that in the tournament just shows you his maturity, his calmness, um, you know, even Medvedev saying calma, calma, calma after he won the semi. <laughs> that's actually the attitude that won Yannick Sinner, the Australian Open. And i got to give Medvedev a lot of credit too because if there was ever a time not to be calma, calma, was in the fourth and fifth set when he was starting to kind of fall apart a little bit physically and his opponent started picking up his play. Um, I just thought the way he handled himself, um, the way Sinner handled himself, two just fantastic examples of two great champions absolutely and the for me the final really was like one of those you hate to see anybody losing because you oh. know how 
fun it would be for Danil to get his first Australian Open, the second one that he has shown up in a final, his second slam. You know, he's just also such a great character. On the other hand, Yannick was such a great player throughout the tournament. He definitely was the player of the yeah. tournament, much like Arena Sablanka just was like better, clearly, yeah. than everybody else by yeah. a margin. Um, you know, and I want to call back to something that Andrea said in the in the last episode when you guys were recapping the women's final where she said, you know, she was happy to hear that arena in her post match, her post championship match interview seemed the right amount of happy. She was like, yes. I am thrilled to have won, but I don't feel like this is like, wow, the pinnacle, you know, and in watching, and I was thinking about that episode and how fitting a comment that is like, you know, act like you've been here before, even if you haven't, that Yannick Sinner in love, doing a lovely job thanking his parents, being obviously very gracious, but like he looked ready to assume the status. He looked ready. He didn't look like he was in a, in a, you know, which is not to fault anybody for the way that their emotions take over in the middle of a, you know, a celebration when you've just achieved something kind of unfathomably difficult and, you know, elite. But I was really impressed by the fact that like, oh, this guy is for real and he's really here. And it did yeah. make me wonder about, you know, what you guys were talking about with like Novak, like you get, you age slowly and then you age really fast. Like Yannick Sinner is for real in the same way Carlos Alcaraz is for real, not just because they want yeah. slams, but because they can do it and it doesn't, and it doesn't seem to feel like, and they know they can do it and then they, and they are, and they are doing it and it's going to make the season so good. There is no question that Yannick Sinner is um, prepared. And I think, I really do believe this. I think he's going to be uh, a number one in the world by the end of the year. I think he can absolutely be number one because because of the fact that he did not have great um, Grand Slams, major results last year. Um, this is a guy who, without question, um, can win multiple Grand Slams this year. He is capable. He is arguably the best player in the world right now. Yep. He's not ranked number one. We all know what Novak did last year. And to repeat that is going to be really hard with these guys nipping at his heels. Um, Alcaraz has, you know, Wimbledon to defend. Um, certainly we know that he has the finals uh, def to defend or semi. Did he make the finals of the French last year? Um, you know, he has, he has some points to defend last year, mm -hmm. this coming year as well. Whereas Yannick really doesn't have a lot of points to defend at the Grand Slams. So he can pick up an enormous amount of points there. So that's why I think he can actually be number one in the world by the end of the year, because if he keeps performing like he is and has been over the last four months, he's arguably the best player in the world right now. I mean, he's beaten Novak, you know, three times in the last three months. He's beaten Medvedev in multiple times in the last three months. So I, I, I think that, you know, Alcaraz will be there knocking at the door as well. So I think this is just a great a moment for men's tennis. It's a great moment that we for finally, We finally have guys that are stepping up to the plate, wanting to take Novak on at Grand Slam level. And and until then, Novak is still the greatest player of all time and still the player to beat at any Grand Slam. But this has sort of opened the door to say, we're here and we're not going anywhere. And I do believe that his non-over-the-top celebration last night was somebody that wasn't saying, oh, yeah, that's just great. I'm glad I won one because he wants more. And he's good enough and his game is good enough. And there are th th things that he can get better at and that he's, he is getting better at, that is going to make him an even better player. There was something I'm, that I'm I, pumped. 100%. I mean, he still has upside. I mean, you guys were talking about Zhang Chenwen and how much upside she has. Like, it seems like ton. I mean, she's only going to get better. And, you know, if I'm, what I loved was hearing about how 
you saw the kind of performance that Arena Sabalenka spent months doing in her training court facility room, getting pissed about having lost the U.S. Open and then comes out and performs this way. And that Iga and Elena Rabakina and probably one or two others are maybe thinking, okay, I got to do it. Now, who is the equivalent of that on the men's side? Who thinks to themselves, I was right there. Maybe it's met. Maybe it's Vera. I don't know. I mean, listen, maybe no that guy's going to be in jail in like a couple months is what I'm going to say. No, who knows? But I mean, there's no question that Zverev, um, has two now points away from got the match. Little, he's got a little bit of a reputation now of not closing the door when he had opportunities. The US Open, now here at the, at, at the Australian Open, he had Medvedev done and buried. Did Medvedev get a little bit lucky at five all, hitting that kind of shank return? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but also, you know, he got a free point on a double fault on a shitty terrible double fault from from uh, Medvedev to give him 5-4 so you know you could argue we could argue for days you know throughout the tournament what could have happened and what didn't happen and all the bottomers could have should have didn't yeah. and who did it was Sinner and Sabalenka and as Petko said in the previous it's lit a fire it's going to light a fire under Ibarkina it's going to light a fire under Iga it's going to light a fire under Coco and did I am like, here for it me too but does this like light a fire under like Stefanos Tsitsipas doesn't light a fire under. Yeah, I don't know. Like who? What are the dudes? Yeah, of course. Gonna... I think I think the person that lights a fire under, honestly, is Alcaraz. Um, Alcaraz. Because okay. He, the fire is burning with Novak. We don't ever have to worry He's about that. Fine. Even that fire is never going out. As far as the, no. the body is going to go out before the fire goes out. That guy's going to yeah, be like the, Ivan the... Lendl running up on people at the Scrabble Championships in his golf club and just trying to win at everything. Kind of like you when you get you on a pool table or a ping pong. You can't extinguish that fire. She's like, watch out, kids. No. I'm going to school you guys. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Take it easy. Yeah. Novak, well, Novak, Novak is in no danger of that. But who else? Novak's like a gas oven that doesn't ever turn off. Um, I think Alcaraz, there's no question about it. I think Zverev will probably think that, man, I, I could have been in that final. And he had a very good record against uh, Sinner. It would have been interesting to see that match up. But at the same time, I just think, you know, they're, they're a Taylor, you know, Taylor uh, Fritz. Like, can he get himself fitter so he can hang with a Novak and maybe get that win over him? And I think maybe seeing Yannick do it over five sets, it's possible. I think it's given these guys a real um, look into the fact that Novak can be vulnerable at Grand Slam level now. It's happened twice in the last two years or year and a half. <laughs> he still won three Grand Slams. So until they're beating him on a regular basis at Slams, we're going to see Novak still um, hanging around. So I don't know. We'll see. I can't wait for the French Open. We are hoping to do the podcast on a daily basis, uh, on a more daily basis, um, especially at the Masters and WTA 1000 events, sort of the Indian Wells, Miami, and of course, um, you know, in Paris, and we'll see what happens. But until then, I mean, I'm just thank you, thankful for everyone. Thanks for editing everything, Caitlin. As soon as I sent it to you, you had them out. Um, and so it's been great. And I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed getting into the weeds on a daily basis of these matches and players. So, Click and subscribe and like and subscribe. And also thanks yeah. to everybody who sent in notes and just kept it going. Cause I think for us we talked about doing this for a long time and it was just really it's like what Racket wants to be. We want to be the convening place for all these amazing voices to talk and edify and you know, it's just it was awesome. It was great to see and I'm really like truly grateful. So happy to yeah. happy to jump in when needed, happy to let sit back and let you ladies do your thing more often because it was just such a such a win. So um, on that note, I won't say choose. Well, I'm going to say 
obtuse for my buddy Petko, who's probably landing somewhere in Europe right now and is feeling like absolute dog poo. Um, and I can appreciate that because 24 hours of flying is no easy feat. But anyway, thank everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. On behalf of Petko, I'm going to say cheese. And on the respect of my buddy, Caitlin Thompson, I'm going to say bye. Thanks, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.